This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. Jacqueline O'Shea is an Afghanistan war veteran, an Appalachian trail hiker, a PTSD survivor, a veterinarian, a Kratom advocate, and our neighbor on the north side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is Jacqueline O'Shea, and this is her Kratom story. It doesn't look like it's raining. It was pouring for a while. It was pretty dry for a while, though. I think my lawn needs it anyway. I absolutely love it. People are like, why? And I'm like, because things things start to grow. And like living in the desert for so long, like you get to appreciate it, you know? Yeah, I bet. I bet. All right. So I saw your awesome letter in the Post Gazette. um, (laughs) And so I decided to contact you. And um, are you from Pittsburgh originally? No, no. um, I was uh, born in the Boston area, but. Um, lived in Orlando. So I, I've been like traveling literally my whole life before, mm. during, and after the army, but. Well, uh, were your parents in the military? No. Uh, oh. well, my dad was, but he got out after I was, or before I was born. Did you uh, go into the army right out of high school? Um, like a, a couple years after, mm-hmm. not, uh, not directly after, but like a couple years after 2005. 2005. Okay. 2005 to 2014. I was planning on making it a career, but um, but I wasn't able to given some situation. The situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I started having seizures. Um, uh, it was just best that I got out. Um, with my with my job in the military, uh, I was I was on orders to go to Alaska, and it was um, another unit that was um, deploying back to Afghanistan. Um, my job was a female engagement team, which was, uh, we, we would go into, we were a small group of female and, uh, female NCOs and like maybe like one or two soldiers that would go into villages and we would talk to the women and children, um, because our men couldn't. So we would go in and we would, um, because, would uh, of, uh, their religion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we were able to talk to the women. Um, we were able to gather information from them, um, kind of like winning the hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but for years, the, like years we were in Afghanistan, we were missing 50% of the population because the men would go in there and then they would just put all the women in a room and like, you know, and then also we had, we, they had men uh, that, that were hiding under burqas like men that we were looking for hiding under burkas, you know? So, okay. um, so we were there, uh, winning the hearts and minds, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and in 2013, um, when my husband passed, I, I was like, I, I have to get out somehow. I have to get out. I was going on almost 10 years active duty and I was just burnt out. And, and you did two tours in Af- Afghanistan? Yes, I did two tours. So you did two tours. So how many? How long is uh, one tour? Uh, one year. Part of Af- Afghanistan was it? Uh, east, like northeast. Okay. Both times they're in the same area, the northeast. I was always up in the Hindu Kush area. But my yeah. husband actually got out after eleven years. He was uh, he was eleven Bravo. He was infantry. 
Um, mm-hmm. And he actually got, he got embedded through the El Paso Times to go um, to go to Afghanistan to do a story on me. So he was, he was actually a freelance combat, uh, combat journalist. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah it was kind of, it was actually a surprise. Um, I had my, uh, my sergeant, my sergeant major was, was like, Hey, you're going to have a journalist doing missions with you in, in, dinner with you blah 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 he's like mind your p's and q's so i was like oh okay so i wrote him and he's like yeah that's me i was like what oh that's crazy he ended up in afghanistan um for a little while with us so did you meet your husband in in the army i did i met uh i met him in germany we were stationed in germany Okay. the same same post was that the first place you were stationed after your basic training uh, no, I was actually stationed in uh, Fort Bliss the first mm-hmm. time, and Fort Bragg, and then Germany, and then back mm-hmm. to Fort Bliss. So I was, I was PCSing all the time. <laughs> Did he, he served in Iraq too. Yeah, he was Iraq. Um, he was in Iraq a few times. Okay. Uh, he was in the Battle of Fallujah. Uh, he was never deployed to Afghanistan. He was only there as a journalist. Yeah, one of the first things he said he said to me, we were, we were in a, uh, we were in a Chinook, and he's like. Why does my wife have the M4 and I got a camera? <laughs> like, well, you got out. Like, this is your fault. He served uh, t- multiple tours in Iraq, and then he came to Afghanistan as a journalist. When did he get out of the military? 2011. 2011. Okay. So what year did he come to Afghanistan as a journalist? Uh, he got 2011, same year. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So that year was kind of like it was kind of like a roller coaster for us because um, we were we got married in 2011. We um, we moved to the United States in 2011. Um, he got out of the army in 2011. I deployed to Afghanistan in 2011, and then by the end of 2011, he was in Afghanistan. So that whole year was like like hit the ground running for us. <laughs> When did you end your second tour in Afghanistan? Uh, 2012, the summer of two, uh, 2012. Okay, and you, and then you were still in the army for two two more years till 2014. Yeah, I actually um, reenlisted. Okay, um, I I came back from Afghanistan. Um, I was getting I was getting ready. To, I was getting used to being back in the states. You know, kind of like getting re- like getting used to everything. Um, they offered me a new duty station. Um, I got to pick Alaska. Um, yeah. And I uh, picked Alaska. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's a, it's a unit that's getting ready to deploy. Um, uh, I just got my skill identifier uh, for, the, for the job, for the female engagement team job. Like, it's like mm-hmm. on my ERB. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to this infantry company or this infantry brigade that's on orders to deploy. I was like, it's 99.9% chance that I'm going to deploy as a female engagement team NCO. Um, so I was going to get ready to PCS to Alaska deploy again. And then, um, next thing, you know, um, he committed suicide. So, and that was, uh, I would say it was a shock, but there were there were some warning signs, uh, plenty of warning signs. And and um, you said that like a lot of a uh, lot of his uh, brothers and and combat were starting to commit suicide. I mean, how many people did uh, did you all know that were that committed suicide? 
Um, I personally didn't know any of them. Uh, yeah. From his first unit, uh, there was, uh, I believe, five. Five wow. of them. From um, wow. He was in the, uh, the Battle of Fallujah. And just not okay. too long ago, um, there was this, there's this chaplain uh, that was with with all all of them through that. I think he was a captain at the time. He's a he's a colonel now. Um, but uh, he um, he was he was there during Fallujah. Um, he was there through all the suicides. I mean, it was just like one after another, after another, after another. Wow. And then um, when when Brandon did it. Um, like he was the one who like contacted me. We talked on the phone probably like every other day. Um, and it's, it's pretty, it's, it's so tragic because, because of, because of that mission, because of, uh, of that company, one of them just got the medal of honor last year. Mm. Uh, and it's so sad because um, they're not here to see that. Yeah, They all just thought they were, we're horrible people. I don't know. It's, I, I mean, I don't know. And I wish, I wish they were there to see it. So in his case, um, you said you noticed some warning signs and, and, and in the letter you said he was in an overwhelming amount of pain. So what kind of pain was it? Uh, I, I imagine he might have had PTSD and, and a lot of the other ones uh, had PTSD. Is that true? Um, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, looking back on it, I was, I was still active duty and, you know, I was, I was busy all the time. Um, I would come home and it, in, uh, in our house, he had his own office where he would write and like, he would have like, uh, he would have like maps of like, you know, like where he was going to go, like freelance and stuff like that. Um, there was a map of Syria and I was like, I was like, that's a suicide mission. Like you can't go do that. He's like, that's the point. You know, he'd make all these references you know oh, and i'm man. like yeah there was this one time when i was in afghanistan and he was home um he was he was uh messaging me and he was threatening uh suicide and to the point where everything like all contact would just go black and then i would have to find a way from afghanistan to find to find um a way to get a hold of the El Paso Police Department to do a welfare check, yeah. and I'm all the way across the you know, all the way across the world. Um, he had to do inpatient um, help. There would be times like he was constantly drinking, constantly, mm-hmm. um, and then he would get so drunk he would be blacked out drunk, and he wouldn't remember anything he was saying, and he would threaten it all the time. Yeah. It was just so sad to watch him go down this um this hole and then the va was giving him all kinds of weird medication and then like it would be like razapam uh, or something like that and then then they yeah. gave him then they gave him like uh ambien or something and he would he would eat all the ambien like he would just take all of his pills at yeah. once and i would have to like i would have to watch him yeah i would have to like regulate it like um so we didn't have we didn't have a perfect marriage i mean we did not it was it was a really 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 hard mm-hmm. um and when i got the knock on the door that night with the detective um i was literally just sitting there at, at watching tv 
And I thought he got arrested. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, my Lord, what happened? You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, no, what happened? And um, and and that's when they told me. And I it was almost like I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say that, but it was like it was shocking. But it's like all the warning signs were there. And he's already been inpatient and outpatient. And I'm like, what? Like, it was just the worst part, like the worst thing in, in my entire life. Yeah. Like, I wish I could turn back time. And I wish, I wish I knew what Creighton was back then. Yeah. I really do. And like, that's why I'm here today to talk about that because I honestly believe like in my heart, if he knew what it was, he wanted help. If I knew what it was, if he knew what it was, like, I think that I, I, I believe in my heart that it would help him. Yeah. I mean, I, we've heard so many stories, even on this podcast that it does pull people out. I mean, you know, it's, we, we never tell people it's a cure for anything, but I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to be like, it's a cure for all, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not trying to say that, but I mean, that's just me personally, because yeah. I knew him. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I knew him. It saved my life, because at my whole, my whole, like, that was eight years ago, and I'm still messed up over it, and like, I was going down that hill, I was going down that path fast myself, Yeah, and um, so, I mean, you, you, as a result, got a lot of depression and, you know, probably PTSD from, from your husband committing suicide. Is that, is that where you're, where that came from? It, it, well, no, not just that. It was from my personal time in the okay. army as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's from like, that's just, that's just the thing that tipped it over. Um, like, uh, that's just one of many <laughs> things. Um, that's just uh, so, something that just kind of like threw me over the edge, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, I, I was, oh, go go ahead. No, no, you no. Okay, I was gonna ask more about like what kind of treatment he received from the VA. Um, did, did he get like psychiatric? And then, and then what kind of treatment uh, did you receive? You you mentioned that he had taken. They'd put him on all kinds of different med- medications. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, uh, he got TBI. Um, he had surgery. Um, he had inpatient for PTSD. Um, he's a inpatient, outpatient. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm the same way. I have a, I have a seizure disorder, um, from, it's like an idiopathic seizure disorder, um, Uh PTSD, um, TVI, um, all this other stuff. Uh, Mm-hmm. And um, I've been inpatient, outpatient, um, pretty much the same thing. I mean, um, the VA has made some changes 
like, you know, in the past couple of decades. But uh, I don't know. There's only so much they can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I curious. I mean, I've had a few other veterans on that just have not been treated well by the VA or haven't been treated enough. And it's, I, you know, you wish uh, your taxes would go to things like that. And it doesn't always, I just wish they, they would take care of you guys. Um, there has been some horror stories and I've been, I've been actually pretty fortunate, uh, especially here in Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh is probably one of the best VAs. Uh, my story isn't very conventional. So I've been to VAs literally across the United States. Yeah. Um, after I left the army, I, um, I've been on the Appalachian trail, Colorado trail, PCT, nice. like <laughs> I've like lived out in the woods. Cause like, that's just my, I, I, I've been running like literally <laughs> I've been running <laughs> since I've been in Pittsburgh. I've it, been, it worked for Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Just keep laughs> After he got out of NAM. Yeah. <laughs> I actually feel like that sometimes, yeah. but, uh, but I've been like, I've been uh, VAs across the United States with my dog. And then like, they look at me like I'm a, like a second class citizen, but here at the VA hospital, like they've been so nice. I'm like, I think I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh for a while. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad to hear that. Cause I yeah. think my grandpa went to uh, the, always went to the VA for the rest of his life. I mean, he was in world war two. How did you first hear about Kratom? Um, it was kind of, it was kind of by accident, actually. Um, I, uh, I just got out of the army. Um, I, me and, um, me and my dog, Annabelle, we, um, we left, went across the country, went, uh, walked the Appalachian trail, didn't do the whole thing, but we stayed up there for like two months. Um, and then we drove back with my friend who I thought was a complete idiot, right? He just likes to spend money. And um, he's like, oh, I, I bought these two little energy shot things for like $20. And I was like, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> he's like, I was like, I don't want that stuff. Like, I don't do energy shots, right? Yeah. And, um, and we're sitting there at like a restaurant or something. And, um, and he's like, whoa. He's like, you need to take this. He's like, but just take a half of one. And I was like, why? I was like, he's like, just trust me. He's like, I've never felt like this before. And I was like, okay. So I do. And I was like, whoa, I'm like the calmest I've ever felt in my entire life. And this is in 2014. And I'm like, what is this stuff? I was like, I feel really good. Like, and this is at probably like my peak of like drinking, drinking morning, noon, night. Like mm. I have to wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning to like take a shot or else I'm going to be in like withdrawal. Like I was bad. Like yeah. the Appalachian Trail, that's like one of the reasons why I stayed out there because I wanted to like detox. Yeah, but I would always yeah. go into town and like resupply. You know what I mean? So it was like my worst enemy. Yeah. Um, same with the Colorado Trail. Um, but, uh, but like I felt calm. Like my soul was at ease. Um, and I was like, wow, this stuff is really, really cool. So I got like a couple more and then I kind of just forgot about it. And I was like, it's so expensive, you know, like these things are tiny. 
and um there were those little um little uh like tinctures you know or extract yeah extract shots yeah um i've never had one of those by the way <laughs> they're not bad like it's like yeah. for like an occasion you know you gotta you gotta you gotta be smart about it yeah um I, I sh- you could probably develop a tolerance pretty quick if you if you did one of those every day but uh i should try actually, it just for research <laughs> uh, i've actually talked to um to a couple people that would were like i think on like reddit or something they were like yeah like a 90 dollar a day habit and i was like whoa <laughs> was yeah. like, uh, but the little bit of tea does works good for me i mean is what do you uh do now do you uh drink tea or do like uh capsules just the powdered um yeah anything on the um the uh, ak vendor list anything safe you know just a little bit of tea when i first started uh actually using it to um better myself I would. I moved to Florida for a little for a little while um, after a couple months after I got out of the army, and um, um, I was like, I wonder, like, I, I wonder, I want to do some research, you know, about about kratom, and I started doing some research, and then um, a couple of years go by, and after I traveled and like was out in California and Colorado living out in the woods in Pikes Peak. <laughs> I'm like a hippie. Yeah. Um, I, I came here to Pittsburgh to um, go to vet tech school because... Oh, cool. The one downtown. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I graduated last year. Uh, um, I, I probably walked past you because I get, I get the bus down there and then walk over to the north side. started uh, looking into the AKA. Mm-hmm. And um, I found... Um, uh, keeping it glassy. They like <clears throat> literally helped me through school. <laughs> so um, when I found the uh, vendor list, I just started using the powder off the AKA, like suggested AKA vendor list. Mm-hmm. And it literally helped me through school. I didn't have, I didn't have like the need to drink. Thank God. It, I was going to ask really- you about that. Um, did you like? Did you intend to stop drinking? You probably did, but I've heard a lot of people they also drink and then they start taking kratom a couple days a week and they just lose interest in drinking. Did they, yeah, is that how it happened for you, or did you it did or did it help you stop? It helped me stop. Yeah. Um, like I I knew like I was gonna get nowhere in life. Like like my attitude was different when I drank, I was a horrible person. Like, mm. like I couldn't stand people. Like I was, I was a jerk, you know, I was like, I didn't like anybody. Like I was just, I'm like, I'm going to end up being like a horrible old lady sitting at the end of the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> bro, I'm end up spending all of my money. Like, it's just, I don't want that for myself. Yeah, like I'm yeah. not going to be able to function at school. I'm not going to be able to, like finish my degree yeah i'm not um and then um being in the medical field like could you imagine if you were it in a surgery like surgery room and then you're trying to put like a catheter and you your hands are so shaky you you, can, you know you'd be killing kittens in. left and right 
Exactly. And um, I'll be that person. I mean, yeah. mistakes happen when you're, when you're completely sober. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, I don't want to be that person. And um, Kratom helped me get my life back. Yeah. It, and I'm not saying it's a, I'm trying to be careful when I, with what I say, like it's a, um, it's a um, cure all. Cause I'm not trying to say it's a cure all at all. I'm just trying to say it helps me personally. I want to give back. So um, now I'm trying to like volunteer my time. Like I don't have that much money to donate, but like I want to um, donate some of my time or at least get my story out there. to hopefully yeah. try to fight because if it wasn't for the AKA, Lord knows who, like where I would be. Cause it would be, it would be illegal right now. Yeah, they definitely had a good uh, grassroots thing going back in um, 2016 when uh, they stopped. The DEA actually reversed their decision. And the last um, episode I just put out, I I do part of these. I do interviews and part of them I do um, what we call Journal Club with this uh, neuroscientist from he's right over the border in Ohio. But um he, you know, we were looking at the FDA's uh, explanation for why uh, Jane Babin wrote this white paper. And the FDA was, like, omitting information on these Kratom-related deaths. It was people with mitragyny in their blood, but they would omit the fact that they also had toxic levels of O-desmethyltramadol. They would omit the fact that a guy got killed with a gunshot wound and he happened to have yeah. kratom and so when we see kratom related deaths in the paper that's what it, that's what it is there's a woman in florida it was on uh, it was on one of the leaf of faith Kristen jacobs it, i i i just re- uh, i just listened to that podcast she was wrong let's put it that way i lived in florida like i said after the army it was uh, mm-hmm. 2014 to 2015 um and um, I had a friend who was in the army um, who got out and became became a police officer. And there was um, this kratom crackdown. And I think it was from the same woman. Um, yeah. I can't, yeah, same woman. Well, he's like, I didn't know because I was like, well, yeah, like that's when I was researching it. And he's like, I don't know what the big deal is. He's like, every it's like they want everybody to like. If you pull somebody over with it, like arrest them for this or like confiscate it. And like, he's like, so I wanted to find out what the big deal was. So I decided to buy some and I did it. And he's like, what's the big deal? <laughs> and he's like, there's no big deal. What are you going to do? Uh, are you going to go like uh, get a job here in Pittsburgh? Uh, well, here's, here's my, uh, here's my, my plan. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going back to school here in August. Um, it was going to be biology, but um, I'm linking up with organizations called like uh, Mission Rabies or Worldwide Veterinary Service. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to places like India and Africa, and they do um, uh, mass spay neuters and they do uh, mass rabies vaccinations. Um, so that's my plan as of right now. Last year, I was supposed hmm. to be in Belize for my externship, but COVID hit. I paid them thousands of dollars, too. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and, uh, I was not able to go. Um, it was at uh, the Belize Wildlife Institute. So uh-huh. my plan is to travel um, 
and uh, do veterinary medicine at the same time. Um, but I was hoping since since uh, since they do missions in India, I was hoping to go over to like, Thailand sometime. I was just going to say, why don't you go over to Thailand? They just legalized it there after 77 years of... I mean, they had it for medicinal for the past couple of years, but yeah, they just legalized kratom. I I just read that. It's was it in was it Thailand? It was Thailand. It was Thailand. Mm-hmm. I have a really good friend who. This is like uh, yesterday, teaches, I think. Yeah, I read that. I uh, I have a really good friend who teaches English over there too. Any withdrawal effects or anything like that? I have had a little bit of withdrawal, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, and it's. Um, insomnia and it's really not okay. like bad I would take insomnia over alcohol withdrawal any day <laughs> yeah um, like it was probably a couple months ago um, I was up and it was like a really weird awkward feeling um, I was up all night up and down up and down all night and it's weird like um, electricity feeling in my body like very restless mm-hmm. um other than that, um, maybe a slight headache, but um, I have headaches uh, often. Anyway, I'm yeah. on medication for that. Uh, headaches and seizures. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's very, very, very mild. And you said mm-hmm. you you had some kind of um, brain trauma or, or mm-hmm. head trauma. I'm sorry. Yeah. What, what was that? Uh, what was that from? Uh, that was if from my time in Afghanistan. Okay. Um, and this is something that um, that I'd like to um, that I'd like to say. Um, I've heard people say that that uh, kratom causes seizures or triggers seizures. Um, mm. like I have seizures, um, and alcohol does trigger it. Um, I know alcohol causes some tr- some seizures, but in my case, like it it triggers it more. So, mm-hmm. um, like. I'll have it with or without. Since I've been using Kratom or consuming Kratom, um, it has not triggered my seizures like once. It's been, so I'm like, I, I read about this and I'm like, something about triggering seizures. And I'm like, mm, I think I would know. I know it's like a case by case basis. These are, yeah, they're extremely rare case reports where they, they're, they're, they're trying to, they're exacerbating like, either rare effects or effects that could be attributed to something else. When you look at these case reports, it's really, it's really flimsy to, uh, and it's really disingenuous to blame that as a drug effect. Otherwise, millions of people wouldn't be taking it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so, do the uh, powder, do you do like a toss and wash? All right, toss and wash is like too much for me because I don't know if it's um, psychological, but I, I don't I can like it either. <laughs> <laughs> it's like kratom is probably the most foul tasting stuff I've ever had. <laughs> like, um, yeah, the tea sucks I mean, too, and that's what I, I drink. It. <laughs> it's like somebody's like, "Oh, you should you should bake with it. It won't be that bad." I'm like, "Really? No, <laughs> no, thank you." Um, but like, I'll I'll actually just mix it with um with like something like a like uh, cranberry juice or even like lemonade powder and yeah. then just mix it and then I'll just chug it really fast. And then, 
I'll eat like a cracker right afterwards just to get that taste out of my mouth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some people I've I've been reading about some people like, no, you should try the toss and wash. And I'm like, Oop, sorry. Like you won't taste it. I'm like, um, but a lot of people swear by it. So do you have uh, preferred strains like a red, green, white? I actually don't really have like a preferred strain. I like uh, Bali or Malaysian. And I don't yeah. know exactly what kind of strain it is. Let me grab it real quick. Yeah, I like Bali's. Yeah, but it puts you to sleep. It's like a nice, calm. It, it differs from vendor to vendor what yeah. exactly it is. Because mostly these are kind of like nicknames uh, uh, from Indonesian regions. And they don't necessarily come from that region. But everybody knows Bali is one thing. Mang does another thing. A lot of people say uh, reds are slow. Uh, whites are speedy and green in between. Sometimes I go put like a rainbow bag together. Like it'd be like a little bit of ba- like a little bit from this, a little bit from this. Yeah. Um, like whatever's left over and just like mix it together. Yeah. Do, do you find big that. differences in the different strains? I do. Yeah. I do. Sometimes sometimes it's not really, um, sometimes it's kind of like hard, uh, but I, I do. Sometimes I get like that heart racing effect um, that I don't really like too much, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's because the alkaloid profile is so different, which is the KCPA, I think it will at least get rid of just dirty crap with contaminants mm-hmm. in it and stuff like that, at least. And then, you know, hopefully we'll have the, like, cheaper technology that we can, it, ideally, you could buy your own test strips and then get an alkaloid profile. Because I know when I go mm-hmm. to the cannabis dispensary, I got a medical marijuana card. They have on the side of it, how much CBD, how much TB- THC, and a bunch of other stuff that I don't even know, but at least I know what's going to be in there, which is which is good, because th- then I know what I'm getting. I'm not going to get, like, super high from this one thing, and I'm not going to get, you know, I'm if I want to be relaxed, I'm going to do another thing. So uh, hopefully we get to that point with Kratom in the future. And the one uh, thing I ask for everybody is, it's, do you have a doctor that you could uh, openly talk to about Kratom? No, I don't, Um, which is kind of tragic. My boyfriend now actually went to the VA uh, a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago, um, and he went to behavioral health, and he was actually open and honest with the the woman, and she was like, well, I was going to ask you about that. People have been talking about Kratom lately, and he's like, oh, really? And... uh, and apparently she knew about it and she was going to talk to him about freight. I'm like, she was going to suggest it. Um, and I was like, what? I was like, that's amazing. I'm going to actually make an appointment with the same facility here in like a little bit, like probably in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to try to talk to somebody about it. But usually it's the whole like death stare oh my god you're gonna you're gonna die do you know what you're putting into your body oh my god yeah. don't do this and like because not every doctor has time to look into everything and they rely on information from the fda and they're yeah. sending out crap so, so that's the shame just want people to like try to talk to the doctor about it because it's just so they can hear that our, most of us have 
good outcomes with it and it doesn't it doesn't affect most of our health and i mean it'd be good for them to study and uh you know just in case somebody's on a medication and they get some adverse reaction then then everybody should know hey don't mix these medications so it's like i i yeah, wish absolutely. it was out there that, that would be so amazing um i i don't even like telling friends about it to be honest because the, sometimes i talk to a friend about it and then they're like, oh my god! Like, you know how dangerous that is. Like, so and so died from taking this. Like, <laughs> oh my god! I don't even like talking about it. Like, even the story that I uh, sent into the Gazette, like, because I was I was working with, um, or I was uh, in contact with uh, one of the senators um, that was working with the AKA, mm. and you know, he was like, well, he's like, can you edit it? And I was like, I was like, yeah, and like I edited it. <laughs> like 10 times and then they were, they were like i hate to do this to you but we needed less than 250 words and i was like okay and then i edited it again and then I, he's like send it into the post gazette and i was like okay sent it in and then the post gazette's like what like what is this for they're like what is this and then they're like well we think it's dangerous like can you edit this so i had to edit it again <laughs> and i was like so they were like well is there is there a ban um is there like is there a law being passed and i was like no because here in pittsburgh it seems all nice and peaceful and i feel like i'm like stirring the pot that doesn't need to be stirred you know what i mean and i'm like yeah mm-hmm. and then i i talked to a former senator and he's like you just send it in he's like just send it in again he was like and then all of a sudden it was published and um and then i was like hmm I was like, should I have done that? Like, I mean, like, there's no bands here. No, um, no, it was good. I, I mean, we, we, yeah. I'm glad that I got to meet you. That's awesome. I like that letter. You're talking about this organization called Not One More Vet, uh, and it's about uh, uh, ending veteran suicides. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, that's actually veterinarian suicide. Veterinarian suicide. Oh, suicide. Yeah, wow. uh, it's kind of weird because uh, they're like, uh, yeah, you're um, you're you're in the vet uh, times two. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting that uh, together. Uh, actually, believe it or not, um, uh, besides uh, you, military veterans, uh, veterinarians have the highest rate. Um, of, of suicides wow. besides veterans, yeah, uh, compassion fatigue. Um, it's pretty bad. They had uh, three veterinarians when I posted that. Three veterinarians just that past week committed suicide. Um, wow. Even per ratio of vet- veterinarians, you know, there's like compassion fatigue. Uh, people, people are always think they just play with dogs and kitties all day. They don't. Um, People get angry at vet bills. Um, they assume that like you're just gonna do this. Um, it's like your job. Like why aren't you doing this? And then like they get compassion fatigue, and then they have to sit there, watch these dogs like pass away or like get hit by cars. And then they uh, like mm. say the Humane Society. You get people surrendering dogs because oh they they pooped on the floor once. Yeah. And then you oh God, abuse. I hate those people. You see abuse all the time. Um, constantly it's just yeah so um people don't know that but veterinarians um have a very high suicide rate so 
Treat your veterinarians nice. Treat your vet staff nice. Thank you, Jackie O'Shea. We are so grateful to be your neighbor in Pittsburgh. Hell yeah, not one more vet is at noemv.org. The music is Memories of Thailand by Risey. The Cranium Science Podcast is written and produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for CranumScience.com. Take care. <laughs>